I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. I'm so excited about Exploring the Prophetic today because we have a pastor from Redding, California, not from the Bethel Church, but from actually a church that he and his family planted called the Stirring Church, which is having a real impact in seeing culture engaged, being reformed thinkers, people who are seeing Christianity in a different way, in a different light than a lot of other groups of people. It's a very uh, entrepreneurial church. And he's, Nathan Edwardson is the founder and lead pastor of this church. Um, he has such a creative vision for seeing what could happen with love, music, story and film, all these things to shape disciples in the world. You know, I love that. His wife, Erica, and him are leading a family, not only a church family, but a natural family of four beautiful children. He speaks all over the world, and he uh, just has an incredible message about culture and shifting hearts. And I believe that you are going to really enjoy his perspective, but also kind of hearing what it's like to plant a church in Bethel's backyard. If you don't know about Bethel Church in Reading, it's a mega church. Probably 10% of the city goes to that church, over 10,000 people. And then you have the Stirring, which is also a very successful church that's engaging a really a millennial crowd. And uh, they have people of all ages there, though. And they're tackling huge subjects with a modern twist, which I love. And we're going to talk to him about some of these things today on this episode. I'm so excited to talk to him. And I love this kind of perspective when you hear somebody who is outside of the box and they're thinking and how they're exploring how God's voice can change the world through even a local church, even a community of people in their city. So come with me on the journey. And before we get there, here's a word from something that we're working on right now. Hey, this is Sean Bowles, and I'm excited to offer you, our audience of Exploring the Prophetic, a basic Prophetic 101 e-course that's going to help on-ramp you into great theology, great tools, and great practice to develop your own prophetic gift. I think every single one of us needs either a refresher course, if you've already been through one, or we need an initiation course that gives us the faith to take on these incredible gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discernment, with wisdom to be able to articulate what God wants to say to the world around you. There is a growth curve in the prophetic that you could actually be in an intentional journey to not have the pain that comes along with growing on your own or growing without the tools. So grab hold of tools like this e-course. It's an eight-week e-course. It's going to give you like I said, theology and practical steps over eight weeks. There's over five hours of videos, but they're broken up into two or three videos a week. So there's bite-sized pieces or you can binge watch them. There's a lot of assignments. There's a lot of activations. There's prayers of impartation. Come with me on the journey. I'm going to personally mentor you through this e-course. You're going to love it. Prophetic 101. Go to bullsministries.com. So how many of you knew there was a church here called The Stirring? So Nate and his wife, Erica, started the stirring, how many years ago now? 11 years ago now. And I'm going to bring him up here, and we're going to have a really fun conversation. So come on up, Nate. So let's stand up for him. It's worth honoring him. Yes, you paid a price. So Nate and I met through Eric Johnson, who told me, hey, there's, this, there's a lot of amazing churches in Reading, but there's this other church 
that one of my really good friends is running, and I want you to meet him really bad. But we didn't meet right away. It was actually at a gathering that Eric had, and we ended up meeting there. And what I love about him, now my background, some of you don't know this, but I don't even know, you wouldn't know this, is that, uh, did you guys ever watch the transformation videos, the Sentinel Group videos, where they go into cities that have been transformed? So I was on one of the transformation teams for a little while. And I was on a team in Kansas City, then I was on a team in LA, and these different transformation teams. So we would have the discussions and host the discussions of what would it look like if God would apprehend a city, not just from a church basis, but like what would it look like if he apprehended government and all the social sectors. And in Los Angeles, I remember when I moved there, I went to this one city planning meeting and they showed a big map, you'll love this, they showed a huge map, and I'm in the back as the only pastor in the room. And so the fire department chief is there for the whole state, the police chief for the city was there, the mayor was there, all these people are there. And they had beautifully mapped out how each area of society affects each other. And Christianity was nowhere. So I said, hey, um, it was a little box over here that was like kind of religion and other things. I said, hey, I'm a pastor. Like, how can we serve? We're not on the map. How can we serve you? And they said, no one's ever wanted to serve us. This is amazing. You want to serve us. We feel like everything we ask the church, we're a burden to them. And I went, oh, my gosh, we're missing it completely. This is terrible. So we started conversations to be uh, an influence of goodness and servanthood to our city of Los Angeles. We have 4,000 churches there, and none were present on their map. And what I love about Nate is, and what I love about you now, I'll talk to you, not everybody else, but what I love about you is that, (laughs) hi, everybody. What I love about you is that you, from the DNA that you have, is you're present in your heart with not just a church or a ministry-centric thing, but you're present in your heart to see Jesus in every aspect of society. And so I really, really, really love that. So welcome. Thanks for being here. (laughs) I have kind of a funny first question. Um, And it's funny because we're in a town where most Christians in the charismatic Pentecostal world would think of Reading. Some people think Reading synonymous with Bethel. And uh, a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to Reading. And they mean they're going to Bethel. But they say Reading, you know. So... And then there's another church, there's actually a lot of other churches here, but there's another church called The Stirring here, and what you guys have pioneered, and what's that like, and how, I mean, like, because you guys are, you're nailing some things right now that are just so beautiful, but what is that like, here we are, and you said something like, you can ask me a question about being in Bethel's shadow, I don't mind, and so what is that like, tell me about that. Yeah, well, it's definitely been a journey. (laughs) And we get asked this all the time as, as we travel around, and people ask, First, first off, when we say we're from Reading, they'll say, have you heard of Bethel? <laughs> so we'll tell them, yeah, we've heard of Bethel. It's a small church down the street. <laughs> if it, just so you picture, those of you who aren't, I mean, you're all familiar with Bethel probably, but 10% of the city goes to Bethel. So 10,000 people go to Bethel. There's 100,000 people in the city. And there's other churches here that are great churches, like great, great churches. But a lot of times it's hard to see that if you're not from here, you just see one thing. So yeah. the Stirring is one of the great churches. Yeah, so we, uh, we planted around 11 years ago. And uh, part of our journey and coming into our identity of what our house carries in the city um, has been being planted in the shadow of Bethel. And there was a season about two years in. The first two years we were really confident. And, you know, you start something and, and the Lord's on it. About two years in, I became quite insecure in some ways as it was growing and, and uh, 
I remember having this, this prayer, this talk with God, where at the time, there were five different senior leaders in town named Bill. <laughs> there was Bill Feaser and Bill Randall and Bill Griffin and Bill Giovanetti, and then some of you have heard of Bill Johnson. And I remember just crying out to God for a season, God, why did you make me Nate? <laughs> because That's apparently, amazing. you want Bill. And you wanted Bill to influence this city because there's Bills everywhere. Why didn't you name me Bill? And, and so we had this conversation for a while. And for months, I would get these prophetic words from people, people that I didn't know, people that, you know, spiritual fathers in my life and spiritual mothers. And, but this word that, that when God planted the stirring, he already had Bethel. And that when God chose Nate, he already had Bill. And this word, and Chris Valentin's one of those fathers that spoke that word. And, and uh, in that moment, something just broke off. And, and it was just a season of, of realizing that, that God was up to something different. That we yeah. carry something um, different than Bethel or other churches in town. And, and, uh, and so in, in that process, a few years later, um, some of you may have heard about the glory cloud. Oh, yeah. So the glory cloud was showing up at Bethel, and when a glory cloud's showing up at the church down the street, but not at yours, you have to talk to God about it. Now, let me describe this, because a lot of people are listening later on, they'll hear this. And they were having a manifestation of a cloud that was actually filling, it was like usually on that side of the room, and it was swirling, and gold dust and rain and stuff would come out of it. So like, like, and everybody could see it. It wasn't like your eyes were open, we're not having a vision, it's in the room, there's no special effects, there's no machine. I had friends who were in special effects industry going, I gotta go see it because I know how they can manufacture that. I gotta see if it's real. And they came up and they're like, that's not us. You know, it's not our industry. So it literally appeared, and so when you're saying that, you're not just saying a funny thing. There's a literal glory cloud at a church down the street. Yeah. See, all the rest of us churches, we have fog machines. <laughs> it creates the same effect. People encounter the Lord, so. That's amazing. Uh, so, so in this season, I'm praying and just talking to God about it. And, and uh, God, what are, you, what are you up to? And, uh, and excited and, and a champion of what God's doing in the church in Reading, in Bethel, and, and floods of other churches that are running together. And, and uh, I remember one night I had this encounter with the Lord where I was, I was praying and just saying, God, I want, I want some wisdom. Can you talk to me about this cloud? And, and, uh, and the Lord at one point, I just said, God, why, why don't we have a cloud? Why don't we have a cloud, God? God, even if it's just a small one, Give us a cloud. And the Lord spoke so clearly to me. He said, you never asked me for a cloud. Mm. And then it was as if he got out this list. He said, everything you've asked me for, I've given you. You asked me for a city. You've asked me for a culture. You've asked me for a generation. You've asked me for sons and daughters. Everything in your heart, I've given you. Wow. You never asked me for a cloud. Wow. And then the Lord said, what's in your heart? And it, and it really brought me into a deeper journey of, of asking the Lord and wrestling with my own heart, what is in my heart? Because if we don't know what's in our heart, then we'll chase what's in someone else's heart. So good. 
And it was, a, it was a beautiful season of going, God, what do we really want? And at the end of the day, that's, that's never what I've wanted. It's never what I've wanted. Never wanted. I've, uh, you know, I, I want to see a city transformed. I want to see Jesus happening in education and, and in business and in government and in homes. And so um, it's so funny. We, we begin to compare and it's those seasons where we get our eyes off and, and, uh, and, and God doesn't ever tell us who we aren't. He always reminds us who we are. It was so good. I'm just thinking about how you as a spiritual father here um, have led your people on a journey of identity corporately. And then the challenges that these things that are successful right next to you that you love with all your heart, how it still, it doesn't challenge your identity, but you have to refine. And you have to lead out of a place where it's like, I, we were talking about it one time where it's like, you know, how do you deal with other people's success? And it's when you define your own family's culture and you define your immediate family. This is our benefits, our culture, what we have access to. Then your, then your crazy neighbors and your, and your rel- extended relatives, you know how to treat them. You know where to bring them into because you, you've established your family culture. And it's so rare for people to articulate uh, culture. And it's so rare for people. So these kinds of things happen. And, and, and the masses get confused sometimes if there's not strong fathers at the helm saying, I'm going through an identity thing too. This is how God spoke to me. This is how God's leading us. And it creates that place of vulnerable process where people have a leader. They actually have a, like we think leadership is just giving rules, regulations, and setting balance and setting, you know, teaching. But it's really the, my inner process is getting affected by God and is now leading your inner process, which is beautiful. So I really appreciate that about you. So you guys started to thrive. I know you have like, you know, just tons of people who are in this engaging culture message. Like we're the same way down south. And you're in this small town that actually has a lot of ambition to see, I call it a small town, I'm from LA, you know, that has, actually has an ambition. You have filmmakers, you have people who are in tech industry, you have people who are designers, you have people who are in fashion. Like you have, you have crazy creatives that I would see in my church, but I don't know why they're in Reading. Why are they here? Like what is, how did God bring them here? Wow, that's good. Um, it's, it seemed as if the last 10 years God's bringing people from all over the world to Reading. And, uh, and obviously many are coming for Bethel, but many are coming for Reading. That God is, God is really up to something unique here. And, uh, and we, we have a passion to see God move in our own city, but also in cities. Yeah. And so a few years back, I was teaching through the life of Joshua. And, and at one point, um, the Lord really spoke to me out of the text that God gave um, Joshua Jericho and then nine more cities. Wow. And so for us, we're believing, contending for some things in our own city. And, uh, and then looking for the divine spark, we call it friends in cities, um, to be champions of what's, what's in our friends' hearts, wow. that God has, God has placed in cities around the world. And, and so, um, yeah, it's been fun, just um, God's turning the church inside out. Yeah. And there's a real move of God, many of you know this, but a move of God right now, and it's, it's not necessarily in the church, but of the church, and into cities, and into culture. And uh, the dream of God is Jesus happening everywhere. So and, good. Uh, and too often, um, so much of what happens in church, we, we send subtle messages um, that, that what happens on a Sunday is more holy than what happens on a Wednesday, or God wants Thursdays back. And, uh, and so we've just been in a journey of, of really seeing God do that and, and beginning to celebrate those things happening um, in our city um, so it's just been fun. No, it is fun. Now yeah. tell me this. What was, the, what was the, the moment that you started to get the, kind of that cultural message? 
Like, what was the encounter? There has to be an encounter behind, like, Jesus in the city. Yeah. I think for me, one of the first encounters was about six years ago where pre that we had been dreaming. When we, when we uh, um, moved into our space that we're in now, uh, we were downtown. Uh, at one point, we, we were two campuses and... And, uh, and then God gave us a home um, on Churn Creek down the street. And, and in that process, there was a dream in us to not build a church, but b- build a space or a venue to host the city. Wow. So I think for years we've, we've carried this, this heart that too often you build churches and church, churches keep church people in and cities out. And so we thought, how could we build a space that hosts the city and, and just dreaming about this and... And uh, at some point, uh, my wife and I, we, we actually were, were about to move away, um, and, and the Lord so strongly um, made it clear that we were supposed to stay here. Wow. And which is, was actually what was in our heart. Um, but so we'd been dreaming about the space, but we didn't know if it would happen here or somewhere else. And then, and then um, by miracle, we got this, um, this space right in the middle of our city. And, uh, and I remember... I remember this dream that had been lingering for a long time, and, and now we had a space to actually do it, but we wondered, could we actually do it? You know, could we actually host the city? And at that point, we were just doing a few city events. Um, we made a decision not to host any church events. Wow. But to just host city events. And um, one of the high schools in town reached out to us and said, hey, could we use your space for our high school prom? Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, it was a big high school. And it was so funny because somehow that question made it all the way to a board meeting. You know, you know it's a big deal when it makes it to a board meeting <laughs> because we just didn't know it. And I remember for an hour we were, you know, going back and forth and really wrestling through, um, will we host, you know, this, this high school prom, hundreds of high school kids in here. And who knows if, you know, if, if we end up finding condoms in the bathroom or or, you know, some F-U written on a wall on a Sunday morning, right? All these things. One of our board members stood up weeping, and he said, when we started this church, our desire was to see sons and daughters come home, and now they're asking to throw a party in our house. Why wouldn't we let them in? Wow. And uh, the Spirit of God came, and, and that was a real encounter in that moment. The Spirit of God came. We said, yes, um, that year we hosted four high school proms in our, in our space, in our church. Wow. The next year and the next five years, we hosted every high school prom in town. Wow. So every, literally every high school student um, for years now coming through our space, and many have had love encounters with God. And so, um, so that was one of the early, the early encounters. And then, and then later on out of the story of Joshua, God began really speaking to me about cities and how, you know, Moses called the people of God out of culture. You know, Moses led them out, but the call of God came to Joshua to lead them back in. Yeah. And that God's raise, raising up the Joshuas in our day that, that are leading the church back into culture, taking cities, facing giants. And, and so that whole season, sometimes you've got to, you know, teach something to really get in in you. But that For season sure. was an encounter. Almost all preachers do that, right? We preach to ourselves. But I'll say it's, it's interesting because, like, uh, being from L.A., We've had, uh, obviously, we're everyone's favorite place, in the church especially. Um, no, we've, we've had probably, I think, 86 or 90 pastor's kids come to our church from different movements. And because they feel called the entertainment industry. So they come out to L.A. and they'll end up finding us as a church. And so they'll stay with us for their school for two years or four years or whatever. 
And it's really interesting because they have this DNA, the same DNA that their parents went into ministry or became apostles or prophets or became church, you know, movement leaders or, I mean, all kinds of Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, and then the charismatic movement. And they'll come out. And it was really interesting for a while in the 90s and the early 2000s, all these pastors and leaders told me, like, you know, you're not going to be able to touch the entertainment industry in a real way and, like, you should do this from a ministry-centric point of view. But then their kids... Everyone from Lauren Cunningham to Rick Warren, all these guys, their kids are going in the entertainment industry. So now they've had to change their narrative because now they're like, oh, no, Hollywood's great. My kid's there. You know, it's, it's totally different because God's sowing the next generation into culture. It's kind of like when Moses was all of a sudden adopted by Pharaoh's house. He's sowing the next generation. And so I, I really love that you are articulating what you're articulating because I feel like um, there is this kind of emerging generation that doesn't see lines between you know, the secular stuff and what we're doing in church, they're not seeing the lines. And I feel like everyone I encounter from your church, they're not, there's no lines, which is so beautiful. It's like so amazing. It's not, your church doesn't feel ministry centric. It just feels like culturally relevant in a real way, which is, and I haven't been there. I just, I've been to the coffee house. Go to the coffee house while you're here. It's amazing coffee. So let's, let's kind of turn a corner a little bit. You've now heard about kind of his ministry and where he's from. I, I want to go in, and this is sensitive, so I don't know how to ask the question other than to say, in the midst of all the good that's happened, and, and we're not really defining all the good, but there's a lot of good that these guys have seen on a city level, on a local level, tons of growth. You had um, a sudden surprise. Your body started to fail you in some ways. And so tell us about that, and tell us how, kind of how God helped you to navigate through this. So about nine years into our church plant, two years ago, um, I just, I woke up one morning and didn't want to get out of bed. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't realize what was happening with me because I went 38 years of my life just, n I'd never been sick. And so I'd never felt what I was feeling. And it took me four months before I could actually admit to some friends that, uh, that I'm not okay. And really that was just pride. I was embarrassed and and, uh, but just anxiety, depression. Um, I, turns out I fried my adrenal glands. And so I crashed hard two years ago. And, uh, and in the process, you know, it, it's, pain can be a beautiful pathway to his presence if you can find him there. And uh, sometimes, you know, we, we think that, it's, that God's left us, but it's always an invitation to the God who will never leave us. And uh, in that process, it's, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been a gift, um, what it's jarred in me and jarred in our house and even in my family and with my kids and my wife. Uh, at times, I've said to the Lord, thank you for the gift, but I don't want it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but in that process, um, there's, there's so much that God did and so many encounters um, in, that, in that place of, of pain and, and suffering and, and avoiding people and trying to navigate, you know, my messy heart and and God saying things like, you know, he said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Yeah. And then I heard the Lord say to me, it's okay to be weak and courageous. And, uh, you know, that, that embracing weakness doesn't, you know, doesn't mean you don't have faith. It means you're like Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, and so in the process, but one of the things that happened that, that um, you know, is tied into the, the, the prophetic thing is uh, I, I learned that... Um, that I really needed people in my life and that I really needed friends. 
And uh, I've, always, I've always loved people, I've always had friends, but there were, there were places that I realized that I was, I was still very protective because my greatest wounds have been from fathers and friends. Mm. And uh, so interesting, the, the wounds from a friend, God all, often heals in friendship. Yeah. You know, and the wounds of a father, he'll heal through a father. And, uh, and it, was, it was true, but in, in the season there were all kinds of prophetic words and, uh, and, and so many... Um, divine encounters, but I noticed something. I recognized that, that there were those that had these prophetic words, but they weren't actually present. And then there were others that, that not only had a prophetic word, but they became the word. Wow. And, and I realized in the season, I started to see, wow, there, there's something in me that really longs for not just the prophetic, but the prophetic and the present. Wow. And, and learning, just learning to sit with people in their mess, sit with people in their pain, because what I found is I think sometimes if we're not comfortable sitting with people in that dark place, because oftentimes we just want to fix people rather than help them find God where they are. Yeah. And the prophetic, if, if, if I'm not willing to sit with people in their pain, then, then I use the prophetic to push people into a future reality because I don't really wow. want to face the present one. Wow. And, and so we need, we need the prophetic and we need presence. And um, one of the stories that came to life for me was Elijah. And here's Elijah who sees the fire of God come down from heaven. One of the most epic stories in the Bible. I can't wait to watch the film one day. Exactly. And, uh, and then the next day he gets a threat from Jezebel and he's running for his life and he gets isolated and... And in the process, you know, the angel of the Lord's waking him up and fixing him a meal. Wakes him up, fix him a meal, and then gives him a prophetic word. Eat, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. You need strength. He gets a prophetic word that there's a journey ahead. You're telling me there's a journey ahead. And I realized in that passage, we're, we're so drawn, we're so fixated by the fire that Sometimes revival is in the fire, but sometimes revival is in the food. Wow. You know, and sometimes we need the mountain. Sometimes we need the meal. And I realized in this whole season that, that, uh, that I, I, I didn't just need a hit and run prophetic word. Like I, I, I yeah. needed people who would sit with me in the pain and walk with me and be present. And so I just have this, this value. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning because I have not been a very present person. But I'm learning to be prophetic and present because I think a great, prof I, I think the most beautiful prophecy will flow from people who learn to actually be present. I love this so much. I just love it so much. And I think one of the things that's hard about doing a seminar like this, and those of you who are listening to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast online, we do a lot of seminars where we teach people to give prophetic words. And it's hard to teach the value that the prophetic works best in family, in connection, in relationship, because not only is the person built, but you're building eternal value of relationship, not just a gift or a moment or a breakthrough. And I feel like so many times people use the prophetic to be a breakthrough as opposed to, to be a relationship. And so we get what we put into it and we get what we want out of it. And so if we set the goals right, it's like, I don't want to just teach a bunch of people to prophesy from a platform or in ministry circles. We're trying to help people to walk with their relationships, seeing the value of who people are. And the other thing I was thinking about as you were saying that is, I think it's one out of every seven men, I might be wrong on the statistic, but I'll, I'll look it up later and correct if I need to, won't go to the doctor if they have a physical problem because of pride. 
until it's too late. Until the, the process becomes greater. And out of church leaders, the statistic, that the, the doctor that I went to when I had, I had a physical problem very similar um, back in 2000, the doctor I went to said, I have treated so many leaders that would have been okay if they just went in within the first two months of symptoms, but they prolonged their agony for up to two years because of pride. Leaders, church leaders, he was saying, because he was like the guy who treated all the church leaders in Kansas City. And I was so sad because I felt like, you know, we have this invitation to be vulnerable. And when your body is breaking down to actually slow down and be present, be connected. And it, it is a betrayal in your body when it all of a sudden doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And it causes anxiety and all kinds of other things. And so people, a lot of times, won't slow down, especially men. We have this problem sometimes. And so I love that you did slow down and that you learned all this through this because, you know, in, in this world, we have many types of suffering. And we have to be vulnerable and connected enough to stop and slow down and get healthy. I mean, it's just, it's so important. And that's something that people don't do self-care, especially in charismatic movement. I mean, no one in the Pentecostal charismatic, everyone's trying to faith it till they make it, you know? It's like, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. It's like, no, your foot is broken. Go to the doctor. You know, and I feel like people don't always do that. So I just, I wanted to make those two observations. Yes, please do. So one of the, one of the moments that was so significant for Eric and I, we were at, at a sushi restaurant. And there's something about the prophetic in sushi. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I get around sushi and I, I get the bowls anointing on me. I could get a word for anyone in That's there awesome. just because of the sushi. But we had, uh, we had some friends sit across from us that were pressing in and they were pressing in and all of my, all of my deflection was going up, all my walls. And, and they got this prophetic word that just said, we just hear the Lord say, stay the course. Stay the course. And, and in, that, in that time, we were, we were not wanting to stay the course. And uh, Eric and I were having private talks about um, you know, is there something else for us? Is there something else we're wow. supposed to do? And, and it's just so interesting that God doesn't heal us around our pain. He heals us through it. Yeah. Right? God doesn't heal you around anxiety. He, he heals you through it. You know, God didn't, didn't rescue Israel at midnight while Pharaoh and Egypt were sleeping. The first thing God says to, to Moses is you're going to have to face Pharaoh. You have to face Egypt. And, wow. and, uh, and we know it was a day to rescue Israel from Egypt and then took a lifetime to get Egypt out of Israel. But, um, but in that process, there's something about if you will face it, God can fight it. And there's something beautiful about, about helping us not get out. Sometimes our prayer is, God, get me out when God actually wants yeah. to take us deeper in. So. Oh, it's so good. Christine Kane saying, whenever you're going through, what does she say? Whenever you're going through hell, just keep going or whatever. That, what is it? Don't stop. stop. Whenever you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. I, I love that. So, man, I wish we had more time. But I will say this. Uh, Nate has a podcast, and it's a really good podcast. I've listened to it many times. And uh, your church has a website, and you, there's ways to get involved. And I'm going to encourage you. Some of you need a season of Nate in your lives because the type of stuff he's sharing from this deep experience with God is what he shares. And I know tomorrow even you're, there's a message. If you're here um, staying in town, you can go to his church tomorrow morning. If you're listening on the podcast, I'm going to encourage you to get his podcast as well. How do they do that? How do they get a hold of you? Uh, it's Stirring Church Podcast or stirring.org. Perfect. So if you're ever in Reading, there's other churches as well that are doing great yeah. things that have incredible coffee shops. So come visit. It's, it's amazing. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Wow. Thank you. So Such appreciate an honor. you. Such an honor. That time went too fast. <laughs>
Hey, Exploring the Prophetic Family. This is Sean Bowles. And I don't know if you know this, but Bowles Ministries, our ministry, puts together these podcasts for you every week. If you're listening in your car or your gym or at home while you're making your kids lunch for school, wherever you're listening to this, we have done our best to put together a quality podcast to explore the subject of hearing God's voice with you. And we want to continue to do this, and we need your partnership. I want to encourage you, if you're loving the show, if you're connected to the show, there's three ways you can partner. Number one is we would love your prayer support. Pray for us. This is not an easy thing to do week after week after week. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of coordination. And it also takes a lot of spiritual presence, just being present with what God's doing. Number two, financially support us. We would love your financial support and partnership. We have an incredible partnership program where you can engage with a community of people who are partnering with Bulls Ministries to send the message of hearing God's voice around the world. We do events. We do, of course, this podcast. We do all kinds of things that are free things where we give videos online. We do uh, webinars. We do all kinds of things to encourage people to hear God's voice and to activate their gifts, to activate them in the faith it takes to go on this incredible journey. So financially support us by going to bowlsministries.com. And the third way you can help us is to subscribe and also leave a review under the podcast and share it with your friends. Share it on your social media platform. Tell your friends about it at work. Tell your friends about it at church. And the more you help us, the word of mouth is our most powerful source of engaging the community of people who are hungry for this kind of a subject. So be part of our, our ministry team, our prayer ministry team, our partnership team, but also be a voice for what you're listening to. If you love it, tell the stories of the people who are telling the stories to you. Thank you so much for listening. Come on the journey with us and please enjoy season two.